JLB Mornings. The podcast. We're rolling. Welcome to the potty. We have to start with Benny's. We're rolling. Okay, got it. That's it. Okay, uh, welcome to it. Uh, Laura off the podcast on the show today, but uh, scheduling. So there's that. Hence why it's the fellas. Yep. Kind of unrelated, but this is how I'm going to start. So I'm, we're doing post-show. That's kind of when you can do a deep dive into your emails. It's, it's no different. It's like when someone's on a lunch break or they've got a few minutes. They'll yeah, scan true. things, right? Yeah. So that's what we're doing. And I get an alert out of my Gmail, and I'm looking. I said, PlayStation, funds added to your wallet. I'm going, what? uh-oh. Well, I'm here, and then- It's I, a snow day. It's a snow day, but uh, no, buses are running. Uh, kiddo just not feeling so hot. Oh, okay. All right. So she is, uh, well, she has just purchased The Last of Us Part Two. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, she just bought an avatar. Uh, now, this is her money. She, she had some birthday money. But this goes back to when you were a kid and you were under the weather. See, when I'm home, it's the, oh, you're not well? Okay, so that's a, you're going to lay in your bed. Yeah. And, and I want, yeah. I'll give you some meds. You got to try to sleep this off as best you can. Yep. That's how this is going to play out. This isn't. Around the house, downstairs, playing vids. Do- yeah, you know, when I was homesick, uh, my dad is a realtor. Like, he was able to sort of be home if he needed to be, but get to a certain age, and he's like, you're just going to lie down. Like, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. My whole day consisted of, and this was when I owned things like the Super Nintendo and the <laughs> N64 or whatever. My whole day was just lying on the couch watching TV, though. Like, it was sleeping, but it was, I didn't. I don't remember playing like hours and hours of games. I was loved playing games, but I didn't. It was like uh, Price is Right. Oh yeah, Jerry Springer. Well, Judge Judy. It's never huge on Judge Judy. Um, and then it was like the lineup of old s- sitcoms. I grew up watching The Jeffersons and All in the Family. Oh yeah, what's happening and all those? <laughs> those were always the sick day things. Yeah. My sister, who's a little bit older than I, never played video games. Faked sick. So she could be home to watch important things happen on All My Children. And um, I want to say General Hospital. Not sure. But they're like the soaps. Right. She was a huge soap opera kid. Like she was a kid. But she would stay home. She would fake sick when people were getting married. Somebody's going to die or something like that. <laughs> but it was always TV for us. Like it was not a lot of games. And I think the trouble is they, they're, they're growing up with TV being on demand. It's, it's when they want it. So yeah. they don't have to mm. sacrifice a day like that. So I've had a note back and forth, and apparently she has a fever of 100. So that's just a hair above what, yeah, kind of what yeah. you operate on, the, on you know, normally. Kids freak out, though. When they hear 100, they're like, oh, my, is my brain going to melt? She, yeah, no, she's not even there. But my wife's like, well, her cheeks are red. She's got a bit of fever. And so I said, put her back to bed. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, she slept all night. She doesn't she want. Well, the way to get over this is to sleep through it. Exactly. The, I don't want it, so don't spread it around the house. Look, we, we share- It's on your controllers now. There is a singular HVAC system. I get it. And now, now i got to wipe down my controllers. Mm-hmm. But what is this all about? So this is- Kids are getting smarter. So the, the access to information early, because I'm telling you, so that kid, while she doesn't have a Twitter account, she has signed up somehow for CBC News Alerts, and she's got local forecasts in there. So here, here's my thought, because <laughs> this kid is the thinker. Yeah, <laughs> I don't you, like. We've all done the trick of like. Uh, I was going to ask my wife, "Where's the magic bag?" Okay, yeah. Did of course. did she get that going? Because yep. we have the like the forehead. The okay, let's check your temp yep. thingy. So I'm wondering, did she lay in bed? This on her forehead, get that temp up just enough to be mildly concerning for mom. 
we've always said the rule. I know some parents back in the day were like, oh, I'll go to school. You've got snot streaming down your face. Yeah. If you're not feeling, don't, you're not going to do much of school. You're going to be a lump of crap and, and not <laughs> get anything. That, just stay home, get better, and then fire pack up. I'm feeling that with that child understanding their, since they wiped buses out, uh, not in the city, but outside of the city. Yeah. That on the forecast, she is looking for a Wednesday, Thursday combo off. And Ooh. Friday is her birthday. Oh, man. You, so I, I, I do apologize. It took me a long way to get here, but I, yeah. without all of the info, you might just go, oh, you're just being, I'm the dad. Gotcha, no, yeah. no, no. I'm not playing the, I'm a dad. Listen to me. These are my rules. You're figuring it out, though. I have just put all these pieces together of that puzzle. Man, I, I really appreciate it when I see my kids get away with things, as long as it's not over me. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, and even if it's something super innocent and like a ding dong ditch or whatever, we've seen them do that. I, I don't want to let them think that they are fooling me, you know? Because I'm like, not that I, again, similar, I'm not the dad, but I want them to know that I'm smarter than they think I am. <laughs> they got to give me more credit on this stuff. Did uh, I put it this way. For my wife, who I would qualify as someone who is just, based on IQ points, she's smarter than I am. <laughs> but I feel that I outsmarted my kid who just outsmarted my wife. My wife didn't True. look at the long view of this. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what, as a parent or a caregiver, you look at both like the short and the long view of everything to go... <sighs> Is everything covered off? Have I have I done, and I hate the term, but that 360 degree view of everything? Right, right, yeah. Like, honey, six day today, snow day tomorrow, bingo, bango, birthday wow. Friday. There it is. Brilliant. Damn. I mean, Brilliant. I'm I'm proud of her, but mildly disappointed. Right, exactly. That's yeah. it. You can be proud. It's fine. <laughs> but then, yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. I wonder, can I log back in? Can I delete these purchases out of the- I don't know if there is a time or not to do that. Yeah, but then I don't want to get home to a kid who's screaming and yelling- going like Don't she's go. up <laughs> some days benny i look at that couch in the lunchroom going no one's here ever it's true i could probably rock a nap i just don't know how to pull those blinds shut i saw a coworker who i couldn't give you their name because i've never seen them before but we were <laughs> in the studio like late yesterday we had a lot of stuff going on so i was here at around 4 p.m saw a coworker i've never seen before watching jerry Maguire on the tv <laughs> from that couch <laughs> did you even know the department they're from I want to say TV. Really? Somebody from CTV, not an on-air person. Well, we don't have to call them out publicly, no. but I just thought it was very funny to, to see somebody watch it. And it was on like like Turner Classic Movies or something like that, <laughs> like commercials and all. So Were funny. they sick? <laughs> yeah, you'd think. <laughs> <They're> not well. <laughs> <laughs> you're allowed to go home. You, you don't have to watch Benny's Classic <laughs> TV here at work if you're not vibing on it. Oh, man. I What a power move. I, t listen, if you get a, and I'll use air quotes, lunch break and you want to watch TV at work, I get it, but I also don't get it. I don't necessarily, the only time that I have sat to watch TV was you and I sitting and watching about 15 minutes, which felt like 18 hours <laughs> of World Cup. <laughs> Uh-oh, there's your love of soccer show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and afterwards, like, oh, that, you know, that was kind of fun. But yeah. also, if I'm here, I'd rather get work done so I can leave. <laughs> and it's it doesn't feel like a job. I think we've made that oh, more than sure. clear. Yeah, it's yeah, a absolutely. ton of fun. But yeah, I don't know why people are, why would you block in and do that? Now, you know what? If you've got uh, something you need to reheat, maybe a little spaghetti. You don't want to rush and eat that at your desk. I get True. it. True. Yeah, fair enough. He but they were, anything. Yeah. so it was like an eat, let my tummy settle, sit down maybe. and watch a 15-minuter. 
My nose didn't pick up any notes of uh, microwaved food or anything like that. So I think it was it would. not even a coffee or anything, you know, it was just really? kind of sitting around chilling. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather like I, I'd rather go look in the bowels of this building and see some cool stuff from old offices yeah. and desks I yeah, could take. Yeah, yeah. I found a record here once, like a, a little. What'd you find? It was a single from I, I presume a local band, but it was printed on clear vinyl. Oh, so neat! It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So I took it. <laughs> Could you make a new sticker or label for it and just have some fun with that? Yeah, possibly. That's a good idea. A little art piece. Yeah, why not? I mean. Then you don't want to encourage that in your house because you'll come home and there's some of your classic records and the kids are putting sparkles on them. It's giving me the shivers. thanks. (laughs) When do you start locking that up? Because there's going to be a time where one, if not both of your kids, want to play records when dad's not home. They want to play. They do pick them out. They're working on being careful with it. So it's a little bit of guidance still, but they know to respect what's there. That's good. So, and they're of the age where I'm not too worried about, like, there there will be accidents. You know, there will be, they still drop things and spill things and stub their toes and all that sort of thing. But uh, overall, it's been okay. There's the odd time, because, especially with the record, too, that it's so terrifying if you misplay it or something and you hear that, like, a, oh. or anything like that. It scares them every time. And it, even if it doesn't wreck the actual vinyl, it's still enough to scare some sense into them. Again, as an amateur, I, I found the one record that War of the Worlds that I have. You got but, it. Yeah, Good. I found yep. it, thankfully. Yep. Um, what's the level of difficulty of scratching a record? I mean, outside of the case is one thing, but of that needle jumping across and scratching it. A little jump generally won't scratch it, yeah. but it's not good for the <laughs> records. I have the odd time. I, there, it, like if you drop it and it scrapes something on the way down, it's going to be pretty toast. You know, like it's, they're pretty, they're, they're, they're more delicate than I prefer, but... Is there any way, so think of a CD, remember you could buy the kit and you could you do that cut, toothpaste trick? Yeah, get some of the scratches on, no, vinyl's no, done, eh? No, there are scuffs, like you can get scuffs and you can clean it and that does actually a pretty good job, but you're messing the grooves up when you give it a big, big scar like that. You and hate then, to see it, man, you hate to see it. Because you don't want to go from playable record to something that is just a showpiece. Well, and that's the thing, when it when there is a scratch on it, it'll either be a Throughout, like, throughout that whole scratch, every time that scratch oh. goes by the needle, you so get you, that So you tick. can't listen to it. No. Sometimes, there, I have a couple where it's like one song has a little bit, and you just, I either just skip that song or I'll just deal with it. It's not, it sucks though. But otherwise, man, I tell you. <laughs> man. It's such an inconvenient hobby. Holy <laughs> man. <laughs> it's expensive, it's cumbersome, and it's inconvenient. Well, you brought up a good, aren't most hobbies, and let's just, let's dissect this a bit. I'm just going to make a little note here okay. on it. But hobbies. Think of, so, let me, uh, pick anything. So I'll throw a couple out. You could throw some into yep. it. Uh, people are like, oh, I love to grill and barbecue. Okay, one, go look at the price of meat. Yep. But if, if you're at that level of it being a hobby, you have a Traeger, you have a green yes, egg. Yes, yes. You're a couple of grand into a grill. Absolutely. Charcoal, uh, all the, then you're bringing people over because part of it is a little bit of a flex. Oh, big time. And rightfully so. It's a delicious one. Yep. Um. So there's one that's real expensive. That, absolutely, there's no question. If yeah. you golf and like, ah, it's a hobby because I mean, you're not you're not a professional. You're not you're not no. getting free clubs. Yep. I I know golfers of all genders that, yep, bringing out a new driver. You got one like seven months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this one is the the wow technology and the the more you're into something too, the more money it's going to cost. That at, no right? Like there's no there's no hobby that isn't somewhat 
expensive of some sort. Backstage, Sarah and I have had this conversation where it's like, you know, do you want to join a club of some sort? We have like, there are social groups, there's sports clubs. If you want to do like, you know, there's, I, every region has something similar where it's like, well, you do seasonal sports, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, dodgeball for a little bit and then you'll do some beach volleyball in the summer. Then you got baseball, beer league, that sort of thing. That all adds up. Um, yeah. Something as simple as reading. Books were still like 30 bucks. Thank you. Now I'm coming to the conclusion hobbies potentially are really bad for you. Yeah, you'd think so, yeah. They're a distraction, which you would qualify as a, a good mechanism to get away from some of the thoughts that run around yeah. your head. Backstage Sarah, uh, last year she wanted to get into basically the new version of scrapbooking. It's bullet journaling. Oh, yeah. So a bullet journal is like, it's a grid. It's little dots in a grid. And it just is an easier way of drawing things out and you can make designs on it and stuff like that. So basically, it's like a new version of scrapbooking. You're not cutting and pasting, but you're doing drawing. She loved it. And really, it was great for her anxiety and her stress. A real, like she loved it for about eight months. And during that eight months, she would buy hundreds of dollars of markers. Oh. So the markers were like, wow, this one's for this kind. This one's got a little uh, glitter in it. This has this. And like they're all professional artist markers. But she has a case of them now. A case of them. Hundreds. That were all expensive. There's no such thing as a cheap bullet journal marker and pens and all those sort of things. And how's that going now? A little dusty. <laughs> a little dusty on the bookshelf now. <laughs> Here's another one. Oh, I'm a big wine connoisseur. It's a hobby of mine. Oh, man. The worst. The worst. I, yeah. My head exploded. I think we've realized. So I love hockey gear. That sounds weird. Uh, I, I clearly love the game. Love yeah, to play yeah. it. But as a kid, I just was always fascinated by the different kinds of sticks Absolutely. and why guys used it. So I got a little into it. And then as I got older and I got adult money, I could buy things that I couldn't have as a kid. So then I did that. Now, my only real saving grace is my best friend is in that industry so now I would suggest 65 to 70% of the stuff I have, I have not ever paid a nickel for. That's good. Yeah. Directly. Yeah. It comes back and then favors for what we do. Sometimes yeah. I can help with tickets. Sometimes yeah. I can help with experiential stuff. So See, I'm trying to get that working in radio. I mean, records having come back. Yeah. Now, I'm trying to get a little more of those favors, but we don't see anybody anymore. We used to get like music and record reps coming through the door. Weekly. Yeah taking us out for lunch. They used to try to like zhuzh us up a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, not payola, not payola. <laughs> I'd take payola and record. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, send yeah. me some hockey gloves. Hell yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Whatever the hell you want on the show. <laughs> but holy crap, we may have just discovered that hobbies could potentially be the worst thing for you. They probably, at times for some people, they create fights at home. Oh, you've got a hobby. I've got a hobby. You yeah, yeah. Oh, you're indiscretionary spending. Well, what about your indiscretion? Wow. But it's a hobby. It's a passion of mine. That's, you know, there has been the conversation again, and it was like, records are obviously a huge hobby of mine. I, we go to clubs. There's all sorts of things. You do swap and sells, all that. Backstage, Sarah, huge skater. Huge skater. That's not a cheap No. Hobby. A lot of traveling, too. Hey, I'm a car court. guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How many do you have? Three. Yeah. <laughs> Parts don't come cheap. No. No. I mean, but then there was the, like, when she said, uh, you know, she's like, well, yeah, but mine's healthy. Like, mine's, I'm getting active. Oh, but hey, you can just, I'm a wine connoisseur. Have you not seen some of the studies on red wine? Oh, yeah, antioxidants? You... Out the a- hole. <laughs> <laughs> Music 
it's it's therapy for the soul. It is absolutely. Thirteen I've, minutes of music changes your mood. That is the most recent data that has been distributed. Yeah, yep, it's true. It's true. hockey. Yeah, it's good cardiovascular. It's oh, team sure. bonding. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, fellowship yeah. related game. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> we are all terrible people. Okay, think we're gonna actually we're gonna do this in reverse. We're gonna take this tomorrow on the show. Okay, and, and open this up yeah. because under the header of hobbies. And why I think they're actually bad for you. Yes, I like this. It's good. We got it. Outside of, uh, in, there's still a cost involved. Let's say, I'm trying to think of the most stripped down thing. If you're like, oh, what's your hobby? Uh, I love going on walks. Shoes. Shoes are expensive. You got to have good shoes. Do you like to walk in just perfect weather? Yeah. Coats, rain gear. Parkas. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Hiking boots and or shoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to go here. Okay, then you got to get in your car and drive to said location. Yep. There's, yep. Th- what free hobby is there? That, that doesn't really have any negatives attached to it. There's a, there's a dollar <laughs> sign to everything. Everything. Video games, super expensive. Uh-huh. Just like, ask your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we wrap it. There it is. Yeah. So you gotta, you, hopefully you're hearing this Wednesday uh, on the drop, because then you'll hear the follow-up on Thursday's show. <laughs> now, the podcast in itself isn't done, just the, the Benny and I portion. There's actually going to be two interviews. Laura's ties back into Bellet's talk and chatting with uh, a doctor surrounding uh, hormones and equally the tie-in with... Uh, with uh, birth control and, yeah. and kind of sharing some of her story and getting some more insights. So we're going to uh, send that over to Laura, Laura in a minute and then Benny to follow. You've got a cool chat that you've got later. I out. do. Yeah. With Disney on ice coming to Budweiser Gardens. We've got, uh, I've been able to interview a couple of different performers and just get a little insight onto what their life is like. So that's coming up right afterwards too. Thanks a ton for being here. And as always, much love and Laura Guinness. For Bellet's Talk Day, I got the chance to talk to Dr. Ashley Waddington, Associate Professor in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Queen's University. She's also the co-director of the Contraceptive Advice Research and Education Fellowship Program. So that basically helps students become experts in family planning. I decided to talk to Dr. Ashley Waddington for Bellet's Talk Day because I personally believe I have been affected by the side effects of birth control and how they can play into your mental health. And the conversation we had was pretty interesting because, well, she said that could be the case for a small amount of the population. Uh, it really, you know, there might be something deeper going on than the birth control causing all of your problems. So let's get into this interview. Dr. Ashley Waddington, is there a connection between birth control and mental health? For individual people, that may be true. So, you know, I never want to discount somebody's own experience and, and, you know, say that that's not true what you experienced. Um, But the tricky thing is that it's very hard to counsel patients about this because the evidence doesn't really support it. So, for example, there are a a large number of studies looking at um, depression in particular and various types of birth control methods. And what that research consistently shows is that for the vast majority of people, it, it makes no difference. It doesn't make it better or worse. The next most likely thing is that most people's mood gets better if it changes at all. Wow. And then there are occasionally people who report worsening moods. So when they do a research study, for example, so say they take... Um, <clears throat> like a survey of people's depression symptoms uh, prior to initiating their birth control method. And there are some validated surveys for doing that, ways of sort of quantifying severity of of depression symptoms. Um, And then they repeat that, say, like six weeks later, 12 weeks later, six months later. What that generally shows, and the way that I talk to patients about this, is I say if we start 100 patients on this birth control method, 
about 90 to 95 of them will have no impact whatsoever on their mood. About four to five of them may show an improvement in their mood. And maybe one or two of them will have a worsening of their mood symptoms. Gotcha. So, and it's always the people who have the worst experience that are going to speak up the most, right? Well, like, I'm technically well, one of them. part of it. What we can say is there's never been a study that shows that any birth control method causes depression. So um, it may be people who were already prone to it or maybe were already experiencing some symptoms of it who demonstrate a worsening of it. But generally speaking, if people are kind of going along just fine, um, usually they wouldn't kind of develop <laughs> depression just as a consequence of starting on a birth control method. Is this something that's kind of only just being studied now? Have they been studying the side effects of, of mental health and hormones and birth control altogether for a long time? Or is this kind yeah. of something that's recent? It, I, no, it actually has been over, over a couple of decades, yeah. Um, so it's not kind of new information. Um, what is new is social media. Yes. <laughs> so, and I do think there is a little bit of like social contagion that may exist in this space where, you know, if you've read on social media that other people are saying that their mood has worsened and you've just started a birth control method, then you might be like, is my mood worse? And, you know, yeah. you have a bad day and you're like, oh, that's probably because of the birth control method. Whereas you might otherwise have thought, well, I just had a bad day. That just happens from time to time. Yeah. Like I will <laughs> so, say, um, I will explain my experience with the shot every now and then and say, you know, this is what happened to me. It might not be the case for you. And, you know, I always find on my own social media, even too, it's the comments are split 50-50. Other people yeah. say, hey, I had a really bad experience too. Other people said, my acne cleared up. I even lost yeah. a little weight. I felt so good. Yeah, yeah. One thing is true is that, you know, young reproductive age people who might require birth control also have high rates of depression and anxiety. Like mood disorders are quite prevalent in um, patients in that age group. Do you know why that is? It's just, it's just, it is. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Circle of life, right? They're on a birth control method or not. Like there's relatively high rates of depression and anxiety disorders in young reproductive age people. Were you going to develop, um, you know, a depressive condition regardless of what you did in terms of your birth control method? Um, or were you already depressed and you went on a birth control method and it actually was neutral, but now you have, you know, something that you're, you're concerned is causing it kind of thing. So it's, it's very hard to tease that out because they are both prevalent conditions in the sense of like needing to prevent pregnancy is a prevalent thing yes, that people yeah. have, but also mood disorders are prevalent. Um, but the other thing that I find hard to tease out of all of this, and I have to say I'm not an expert in this because it's a little bit more like a sociology type of question, but is the extent to which we blame women's moods on their hormones in the first place. (laughs) There are certainly times in women's lives where they are more prone to mood dysfunction related to hormones. So specifically, I'm thinking about things like postpartum depression, um, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, which is kind of a severe form of premenstrual syndrome where people have significant mood changes prior to their menses. Um, and then menopause is also a time when, when women's moods um, can tend to worsen. And so we know that there's some association. Um, but the extent to which sort of day-to-day mood fluctuations actually are impacted by people's hormones is not really well established. And what I would point out is that those three conditions, so sort of premenstrual dysphoric disorder, um, and postpartum depression and menopause are actually at times when women's hormones are very low. So when, it, when I'm talking about hormones, I mean estrogen and progesterone. Um, and so there does seem to be effect of having low levels of those hormones circulating in the body that seem to affect mood. But, you know, to what extent sort of just 
average women walking through life uh, who have normal hormonal fluctuations related to their menstrual cycles or maybe, um, you know, maybe their hormones are being manipulated for birth control or for other reasons, you know, the extent to which that is actually associated with mood symptoms is not well established. So um, what I mean by that is that people who suffer from PMS or PMDD, which is the more severe form, um, their hormone levels aren't necessarily different than people who don't suffer from. (laughs) So it's not like there's a, a... value or an amount of hormone that... that um, like a golden per- number? Yeah, exactly. It's more that some people t- seem to be more sensitive to it than others. Yeah, that is so... You've blown my mind because <laughs> this has been like a, a hot topic on the internet. It's been something yeah. that there are books about um, and all of this stuff, you know, explaining, you know, you know, women's hormone cycles. They haven't even really been, you know, they weren't studied properly for a really long time because they were only stu- studying pre- or sorry, postmenopausal women. So there was like this whole thing about that. So yeah. do you have any suggestions or something that somebody can do if they're feeling the symptoms, but just not quite um, getting down to it? I know it would really depend on the individual, but do you have any yeah. sort of generalized advice? It can be kind of easy to dismiss women's symptoms as, oh, it's just your hormones. Like you go in to the walk-in clinic, you see I'm having these symptoms of depression. I'm, I'm concerned about it. It's impacting my quality of life. And they're like, oh, it's just your birth control. Instead of like really exploring like what else could be going on or taking that seriously as a separate condition, um, you know, the healthcare system has traditionally been quite bad at sort of just brushing women's symptoms off and say, oh, it's just your hormones. You're just hormonal. And, you know, we do that in all areas of life, like, you know, this idea that women are irrational and, and, you know, they can't function in life because their hormones are all over the place is pervasive in our culture, but there's no evidence of that. Like, <laughs> there's no, nothing to suggest that women are less rational than women, than men because of their hormone fluctuations. Like that's, that's just a myth that's perpetuated. First of all, I encourage patients to, um, you know, maybe not be so quick to say, oh, it's just my hormones. I'm, you know, because I'm a female, I can't deal with my moods because of my hormones. Like that's, that's kind of um, not giving yourself enough credit for <laughs> how much control you do have over sort of how you respond to moods and respond to things going on in your life. Um, but certainly for healthcare providers, I think it's really not justified to kind of brush off the idea, um, you know, that there might be underlying causes for people's mood disorders that are separate from their hormones and maybe to not just blame it on that all the time. Um, the other thing that I will say is that for some patients who do genuinely have documented mood fluctuations that occur with their cycles, so if they're not on a birth control method, but they do have, you know, as I was mentioning, premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMS, some of those patients actually do better when they're on a birth control method that keeps their hormones steady all the time. So I've seen this quite frequently in my own patient population. Um, so for those people who tend to get those symptoms when their hormone levels drop down right before menstruation, which is what happens at the sort of time in the cycle right before your period occurs, um, they actually sometimes do better when they take a continuous birth control method that keeps their hormones at the, at the same level all the time. And many hormonal birth control methods do that. Again, like we have to be a little bit more nuanced than saying like birth control bad. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that I would mention about this is an unintended pregnancy 
Definitely not great for mental health. No. <laughs> Contracepting is not always the best option if, if the biggest concern is people's mental health um, because an unwanted pregnancy also isn't super great if somebody's already on the verge of, you know, potentially having a poor mental health status. Um, and we know things like postpartum depression are for sure um, a real risk for people in, during pregnancy. So, you know, we, we can't just be like, oh, you know what, just don't use any birth control method and hope for the best. <laughs> so it speaks to the the complexity of matching the right patient to the right method. And sometimes it's a bit of trial and error to get there, but um, it can be a little bit challenging for somebody like myself who's trying to offer patients methods if they come in with the idea like all birth control is bad, all birth control is going to make me depressed or it's going to give me acne or it's going to do this or that because you know we, we know that that's not true of all methods, but sometimes it is a bit of a trial and error to to fit the right method with the right person and, and have it be working well for them. Yeah, that is so interesting. Do you think or do you know, um, you know, you have heard the stories of you mentioned that uh, at the beginning of this interview about how there is no timeline for how long somebody can be on birth control from. But then I, yeah. you know, you read the stories of somebody saying, well, you know, I'm actually infertile now as a result of being on this for so long. You're saying that connection isn't really a thing. No, that's absolutely not true. So um, no birth control method that we use in Canada can result in infertility. Um, so they are all, you know, other than getting your tubes tied, obviously, that, yes, that yeah. at least infertility. Um, but the other methods that we use do not re- result in infertility. Um, what's not always certain is, you know, most people start on a birth control method often in their late teens, early 20s. They may have already had fertility issues at that point in their life, but they weren't trying to get pregnant, so we didn't know. Um, and so it may be that we're uncovering a condition that was present, you know, since since earlier. Um, but the other thing we have to be mindful of is that natural fertility does decrease with age, and it speeds up kind of in the late 30s and and decreases substantially after the age of 40. So if people sort of go on a birth control method when they're 20 and they use it until they're 38, I mean, their fertility is not what it was when they were 20. (laughs) Their fertility is now of a 38-year-old person, which is um, less than it would have been previously. So um, there is definitely no association between any birth control method that we use in Canada causing infertility. Um, But, you know, we do have to be mindful, have all these patients been investigated for fertility in the first place before they started the method, Um, but also age is kind of working against them, especially, you know, I I don't know how old you are, but like, you know, 31, yeah. Control for but a long I would time. prefer medical school and residency and fellowship training and everything. Like, you know, I, I used birth control for many, many years. Um, and so I, I didn't have the same fertility as I would have when I was in my undergraduate study. Yeah. <laughs> Truthfully, if it could make me infertile, uh, I would be okay with that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm on that vote, but yes. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we really need to put to rest the idea that any birth control method in Canada results in infertility because that's just, that's a total myth. Is there any other information that you would like to share or want to get out to Virgin Radio listeners on Bell Let's Talk Day? Well, I want to wish everybody good mental health. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I just hope that... Um, women or people who require uh, birth control can feel empowered to look beyond saying, you know, my hormones rule everything about how I respond to the world and how my moods are and how, how I can cope with things. If you're struggling with those things, there are some really excellent treatments, including counseling and things like cognitive behavioral therapy um, that have nothing to do with your hormones, but can just help you have more insight into how to manage those symptoms. You know, there are 
all kinds of different birth control methods in Canada. I mean, we wish that we had more, but really there are a wide variety of methods with different levels of hormones, different types of hormones in them. So if one method hasn't worked for you, doesn't mean that none of the other methods are going to work for you. So it is sometimes trial and error. That's a normal experience that people go through. You pick the method that you think is going to be the right one for you and you try it out for a couple months and maybe you don't like it for whatever reason. It's inconvenient or you have side effects to it. There should be a method that works for all people that's going to fit with your lifestyle and with your needs. Um, but sometimes it is a little bit of, of a journey to get there, but hopefully everybody gets there in their own time. Yeah, ironically enough, it's kind of similar to the trial and error you would have with a mental health medication yeah, or even a counselor, right? That's so. a really good parallel, actually. That's a really good way <laughs> yeah, of putting it. Like, never thought about it that way. complex issues, and you know, to the extent that they interplay with one another, as we're saying, it's a little bit hard to define, but um, you know, they both are worthy of you know people listening to their patients and, and listening to what women have to say about their experiences and trying to find them, you know, the best thing that's going to help them. So um, rather than just one blaming on the other and say, oh, well, it's just because your hormones that you have these other symptoms, you know, we should be doing a better job of listening to patients and trying to get them the care that they need. Thank you once again to Dr. Ashley Waddington, again, Associate Professor at the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Queen's University, Co-Director of the Contraceptive Advice Research and Education Fellowship Program. Uh, thank you once again for speaking to us. A really eye-opening interview. And if you listening to the podcast right now and you have any questions that you want me to follow up with Dr. Ashley Waddington with, just uh, send in an email through our website, virginradio.ca, and you can click on the Jeff and Laura and Backstage Ben page. We've got Sydney Strew on the line, a performer with uh, Disney on Ice. Sydney, how are you? Hi, good. How are you? Good, good. So I really, I want to get right into it. We're all so excited. I've been to the past countless Disney on Ice performances in London. Uh, my daughter is a huge skater. Obviously, she's seven. She's a huge Disney fan, so she's super excited Aww. for it. But tell me a little bit about uh, your background, how you got started with skating. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Germany. I grew up competing. Uh, my dad was a hockey player, so naturally I was brought into the rink. Um, and I competed up until I was 18. And when I finished high school, it was kind of the question, now what? So I decided to audition for Disney on Ice and it worked out. Amazing. That's awesome. So what were like, what were your specialties while you were skating, uh, leading up to Disney? I was a single skater. So I really loved jumping and spinning. (laughs) And you started, were you, did you start in Germany? Did I read? Yeah. So you started off in Germany, and what did you end up moving to Canada based on uh, like a family thing, or was it skating, or how did that work out? So my parents are both Canadian, um, but when my dad turned pro, he went over to Europe and ended up in Germany, and so that's where I grew up. But then obviously the rest of my extended family is still in Canada, so I spent the summers there. I trained in Winnipeg. Um, during the summers, and so that's like kind of the Canada connection there with me. Is there a big difference between like how you how you learn and how you skate in Germany versus in Canada? Um, actually, yes. So in Canada, there's much more testing. Um, I used to always have to take ice dance classes as well, which is was not a thing where I trained in Germany. And all of my testings that I did in Germany actually didn't even get recognized in Canada, so I couldn't have competed in any national competitions there because the testing system is very different. Oh, wow. That's uh, that's crazy. Uh, it's <laughs> funny. My, my wife reminds me fairly regularly, if it wasn't for me and, and probably our kids too, she would be skating with Disney on Ice. She loves it. Really? 
Really? Oh, no way. Huge fan. She like when she was a kid too. That was kind of her goal, and you know, obviously things change. But what's wow. the what's the process of going from being a hobby skater to a professional skater to working with Disney? Um. So the biggest. Um, difference for me when I joined tour was the performance aspect because when you're competing it's about the elements you want to you have your program you do you practice it all year you have the same jumps the same spins Um, whereas when you come into performing you learn lots of numbers with choreography that's very different to anything you've ever done you have to learn to lip sync you have to learn to smile you can't have that concentrated look on your face anymore and projecting out to the audience and just truly portray a character and it's it's acting really and and who are you portraying for this tour i'm i'm all over the show i have lots of different roles um and it's fun because it never gets old to kind of switch it up all the time oh cool yeah and so i mean i i've been to several and you know they're always introducing new characters from some of the latest disney movies are there any staples that you you see return to each tour frozen frozen i'm sure yeah Yeah. how appropriate yeah yeah it's by far still the most popular and it's just such a cool experience to see the kids react every single time to Olaf and Anna and Elsa and it's I love it. What what's the uh, what's the theme this year that you're touring with? Yeah, so our show this year is called Find Your Hero. And what I think is special about this show is that it really combines old Disney classics that I grew up watching with newer Disney movies. So we have The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Moana, Rapunzel, and of course, Frozen. I love it. We uh, were fortunate enough when my daughter was probably three or four, uh, she ended up on the teacups on the ice. And that is something that, you know, as (laughs) such a such a small young memory, it's something that stuck with her. And of course, you know, Facebook gives us the the memories that crop up every year. We remember going back to that. So she's super excited to get back there again this year. I know that I am, too. Um, You've been skating with Disney since 2016. Is that right? Yes. Tell us about what life's like on the road and doing the touring across Canada. It's incredible. Um, It's nothing like anything else I'd ever done. Um, You travel so much. I've been to so many countries that I never thought I would ever visit. Um, I started off in Japan, actually. Oh, wow. Um, And Asia was a place that I never thought I would ever go, and I didn't really have a desire to either. Um, And then I was there, and it's just, incredible such a different world and the audience there is actually crazy it was so cool that's um yeah, and then super cool. i've done tons of europe and then this is actually my very first time touring north america and canada so i yeah it's, it's really special i got to perform in winnipeg a few months ago in front of my family they've been waiting six years for that so uh-huh. that was a really special moment um, and yeah, now we're back in Canada and I just, I love it. And so where else is this tour going to bring you after your stop in London? Um, oh, I couldn't even name all the cities, <laughs> um, but we go to Toronto after London and then we're just back in the States until beginning of May. Yeah. Would you say, so b- being in so many different countries and seeing so many different reactions to the performing the same show with each tour would you say that asia was that like the most dynamic crowd that you've seen Mm, it was 
just very different. So in Japan, the, they were very quiet throughout the show, like very polite. And then once the show ended, they went insane. <laughs> it was like you couldn't even hear your own voice. They threw flowers on the ice. It was so, so cool. Um, but the most dynamic crowd I think I've witnessed is in South America, which was actually this summer. Um, as soon as the music started, you could barely hear the music. They were so excited. And uh, we were the first family entertainment back there after COVID. So it was even more intense. Um, and they just loved it. And it's I, it's my favorite part is the audience, really. I'm sure. Yeah. And after I, I, I do believe that everybody is just so excited to get back out and see these kind of shows again. There was that time where we were there was just such a hold on being able to do all these fun exactly. things. So, yeah, we're yeah. super excited. Uh, January 26th to 29th, you're going to be at Bud Gardens here in London and then uh, Toronto afterwards. Tickets are still available at BudweiserGardens.com if you want to get tickets on that. We're super excited. I'm going to be there on the Thursday, the, the uh, opening show with my daughter. Uh, super I'm excited to see you and the rest of the crew for sure. Yes. I hope you enjoy. Uh, I'm sure we will. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. JLB Mornings. Weekday 6 till 10 on Virgin Radio. And on demand anytime on the iHeartRadio app. And for more on the show, visit virginradio.ca.